A recent study showed that about 7 in 10 or 70 percent of Americans believe in angels. What's interesting is that about only 56 percent believed in the devil or Satan. Of that 70% that believe in angels, about 33% of those, so about 25% of Americans total, believed in angels but did not consider themselves religious. So some sort of stripe of atheist or agnostic or what we call nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-S, N-U-N-S. But the point is this, is that even many so-called atheists who don't believe in God or in spiritual powers still have some innate feeling that they want some sort of spiritual protection. They want protection from some sort of outside spiritual force. But protected from what is my question. If angels exist, but not demons, protected from what? People often think about things like angels protecting them in the event of car crashes, and that's good. I think that's true. But if evil doesn't exist, if we're all just random particles of energy floating around in space that happen to be here together... Why do car crashes even matter? And even if car crashes do matter, why not, if God doesn't exist, just focus on updating seatbelts and airbags and increasing driver safety awareness and driver training? I think deep down, on some level, most people recognize the truth of what Paul says in Ephesians 6. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Everything is spiritual. Our bodies and souls are connected. God made the whole creation. God did it. And so it is God's creation. Everything is spiritual. Our battles are spiritual. And the good thing about being Christian is that we can be very honest about this. Because the Bible is very clear about these things. Unfortunately, our world is not clear about these things. Within that 70% of people who believe in angels, there are many misconceptions about what angels are and what they do. So let's be clear. Let's look at what the scriptures say on this angel day in the church here. First of all, angels are God's army. The Bible over and over and over again uses this term, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. What are those hosts? That's another word for armies. Sometimes also called in the Hebrew, Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. What are these armies? These are his angels. 
The hosts are his angels. God is the commander of a mighty army. I hate to break anyone's mind on this, but precious moments figurines are not what angels look like. They're nice, they're precious, but they're not warriors. And that's what angels are. Angels are his army, and they fight. Angels are also created beings. At some point in creation, God created them. We don't find out exactly when in Genesis 1, but they are not God himself. Only God is the creator, and everything else, including angels, is creation. And we also don't become angels when we die. We are still humans. Paul says our bodies will be glorified like the angels, but we don't become angels. Angels are something different. And in Hebrews 1, you find out that God considers humans to be the crown of his creation, not angels. Angels are actually there to serve you, to serve humans. And so what do these angels do for us and what do they do for God as his army? What are their main jobs? I think the Bible lays out about three jobs that the angels have. First, you can look at the word angel itself. The word angel means messenger. And you can see this over and over again throughout scripture that the angels deliver messages to God's people. Like when Gabriel comes and tells Mary, And delivers to Mary the news of the incarnation. Second, they protect God's people and they fight for them. You can read Matthew 18. Whenever Jesus is talking about the little ones, let the little ones come to me. We remember a lot of those verses. This is one you may not remember. Is when Jesus says about the little ones that their angel in heaven always is beholding the face of my father. Jesus says that the little ones each have an angel. This is where the idea of a guardian angel comes from, and it's actually somewhat biblical, I think. Maybe not in the way that TV portrays it, but somewhat biblical. The little ones have an angel assigned to them. Their angel protects them. Their angel guards them. And third, they worship the Lord day and night, singing his praises. You can read about that in Revelation 5, when the thousands upon thousands, the myriad of angels are worshiping the Lord, or also in Hebrews 12, when it talks about saints who die in the Lord coming into the presence and into the company of the holy angels, singing God's praises. These are the angels' jobs, to worship, to protect, to fight, and to send God's messages. And finally today we learn about St. Michael, the archangel. And that gets us back to the question that we asked earlier, protection from what? What do the angels protect us from? Well, sometime before Genesis 3 and the fall into sin, we find out, actually at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 12, that this war had erupted in heaven. And that the dragon himself, Satan, the great deceiver of the earth, struck up a war with Michael and his angels. And Michael and his fellow angels, and Satan and his fellow angels, Satan who was once an angel himself, you can tell by the context, 
was thrown down by Micah. And you can see this is a great history in church art, by the way. If you look up St. Michael and the dragon, lots of good artwork. I think this is what we should put in the nursery instead of Noah's Ark all the time, is St. Michael stabbing the dragon in the mouth. I, I mean, just an idea. I think it's good. The great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so we have in that moment Satan and his demons. And the dragon comes walking up in the tree to Adam and Eve in the garden to deceive them. And let's be clear about the devil and his demons too. Remember, 70% of people are willing to believe in angels. Only 56% of people are willing to believe in this. First of all, remember that the devil has a limited power over this world. What does John say there in Revelation after Satan is cast down? Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. Or as Jesus calls Satan, he is the prince of this world. And the prince of this world wants to cause you as much trouble in your life as possible in this time because he knows that his time is short. And so the devil still battles us. He still is a ruler of darkness in this age. And how does he do that? I want to tell you three ways he does that. First, he's the deceiver. This is what John calls him, the deceiver of the world. And so just like Adam and Eve, he comes to you and he wants to convince you that you can be God. He wants to deceive you to say, this is God's word, but you can add a little bit to it or take a little bit away from it. He wants to deceive you and tell you, That you don't need to follow exactly what God says. That you can adjust what he says. That you can make your own rules for yourself. That you don't really need to be in church. That you don't really need to be in your devotions. That you don't really need to be in God's word. That you should put yourself first. Put your pleasure first. That you don't need to cast out those lustful and murderous thoughts. You can hold on to them a little bit longer if you want to. He wants to deceive us, just with half-truths, a little by little. He doesn't come to you and tell you things that are completely untrue all the time. But he comes to you to deceive you, to slowly take you away. And then he is the accuser. John also calls him this, the accuser of the world. Because after he gets you, Deceived, he then wants to take that sin and point it at you and say, Look, now you're a sinner. Now you can't be forgiven. Now God doesn't love you anymore. You might as well just join our side. That sin that keeps bothering you, there's no way God could forgive you for that. You're way too bad of a person now. You might as well just join us. And thirdly, this isn't something that John says specifically, but it's something that I think is very important in our day and age when people want to pretend like we're so scientific and so modern that these spiritual things don't exist. 
And if they do exist, it's only the good ones, not the, not the bad ones. That just like God is able to work through means on this earth, like God works through the means of the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, he works through the means of the written word in your Bibles, he works through the means of the counsel of fellow Christians, God works in creation. The devil does too. The devil is cast down to this earth, and his demons are here. Maybe you've experienced it in some way or another. I'm sure you have. I can tell you crazy stories if you want later. That's not the point. My point is this. The devil also works in means. The devil can work through physical places, physical things. And so the devil works through means. He can work through the screen on your phone or on your computer. He can work through pills and bottles. He can work through bad company that people keep. The devil will work through the means of creation to deceive and accuse and tempt you. And so what should we do about this? What can we do about this? And I think the answer is simple enough. You, as the faithful, you have the power of the angels. First, you have the angels themselves. And what do those angels do? They worship God and they protect you. Remember what we pray in Luther's morning and evening prayers? Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. God is sending, take comfort in this, God is sending you an army. And if God is for us, who can be against us? If his angel armies are protecting us and guiding us and watching over us, who can be against us? Who can overcome us? Who can take us over? Not the devil, not anyone. But second, know this, you also have the same power in yourself as the angels have. Notice what Michael and the angels used to cast Satan out of heaven. They cast him out by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. And you have that blood. You are washed in that blood at your baptism. You drink that blood at the altar today. That blood has washed away your sins and made you clean. And you have his word too. Just like Jesus spoke his word to the devil in Matthew 4. So you can speak his word. The word of his testimony to that devil. Because while the devil battles against us. And we wrestle against the devil and his demons in this earth. The war has already been won. His time is short. At the cross where Jesus shed his blood, he crushed the head of that ancient devil, that ancient dragon. And he cast him down and he descended into hell to proclaim victory over the spirits in prison. And so you have that testimony. You have Christ on your side. You have God's word sharper than any two-edged sword. You have the whole armor of God to fight the good fight of faith. And so hear again the words of Jesus 
to the 72 when they return from casting out demons. He says, behold, I have given you the power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. But then he says this kind of catches me off guard every time. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. As a faithful Christian, you have so much power over the devil to cast him out, to tread him over. Jesus says it's not even a hard thing. The blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony is all that you need. To Jesus, it's not even worth rejoicing in. It's kind of just bland. Of course, you can cast out the devil. But he says rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. And so rejoice in that. That one day, you will no longer have to battle against the power of the enemy and the ruler of darkness of this world. But one day, you will just be there in heaven with the myriads of angels singing his praises. For rejoice that your name is written in the book of heaven. Amen. And so to that Lord, the Lord of angel armies, who has given us the power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and who has written your name in the book of heaven, to him be the glory now and forever. Amen. We stand for the offertory.